Welcome to the Money, Marketing, and Mission Show, where we are breaking all the rules when it comes to making money online. I'm your host, Mia Francis Poulin, owner and copywriter-in-chief at The Copy House, a boutique copywriting agency for mission-focused businesses who want to market their business authentically, ethically, and profitably. The Money, Marketing, and Mission Show is here to help amplify the voices of business owners who are out here doing big things, those who are breaking barriers for marginalized communities, redefining time freedom, and generally getting in good trouble to make our society a better place, and making money while they do so. So if you're up for an awesome conversation, deep talk, and a good time talking about money, how we do business, and how we do good, then settle in for a listen. Hello, party people. I am so excited to bring our next guest to you. Um, our next guest is someone whom I've known for a number of years. And every time I sit down to talk with her, I am just so filled up. Um, she's one of my favorite people on this planet. And I'm excited to introduce you to her. So here's who we have on the Money Marketing and Mission show today. Meg Brunson is a mommy blogger turned Facebook employee who left the nine to five for a life of freedom and flexibility. She's currently RVing throughout the U.S. with her family, including four kids and a pit bull, while empowering others to build profitable and progressive businesses. Her clients are spending increasingly more time making happy memories with their families than they are stressed over their marketing thanks to her simplified marketing strategies. Meg is a professional speaker, children's book author, host of the Familypreneur podcast, and CEO of EIEIO Marketing. Without further ado, here's the conversation with Meg. Meg Brunson, thank you so much for agreeing to be on the Money Marketing and Mission podcast. I am so excited. Every time we have a conversation, anytime we get into these spaces, which you are one of my oldest friends in this online space, and I'm just, I'm so honored to know you as a human being. And so thank you for agreeing to be on this maiden voyage of this show. But anytime we get together and we just have conversations, I'm just kind of like, I love Meg. I'm so glad you're in my, in my like universe. So thank you for being here. Well, the feeling is 100% mutual. You are one of my favorite online business people. I love, love, love the mission, the vision behind this podcast. I am so honored to be among the first people joining you. And I cannot wait to listen to all of the brilliance you're going to bring through this, this project. Awesome. Yay. Well, then let's jump into this. So why don't you tell the folks out there how you make money in your business? Sure. So for the most part, um, I make money by running Facebook ads, strategic Facebook ads for other businesses, for other small businesses. Now, that being said, I am multi-passionate, right? Like many of us are in the entrepreneurial world. So I also have a membership group for um, progressive family-first entrepreneurs who want to build their business without wasting time and money. I am a children's book author, so I've got that book. I'm working on my first grown-up, you know, big girl book. Um, so I've got a couple different things, but for the most part, it's marketing that that keeps my family fed. I I love this. Also, full-time RVer you know, traveling the world, which is, it's just always amazing to me because how long has it been that you've been RVing? 
Over two years. I, I remember when you set out on this on this journey and I was like, okay, they'll just go a couple months around the country, whatever, whatever. And it's here we go, years later, where you're still RVing, but you're still managing to be there for your family, provide really amazing experiences for your children and run a business, multiple businesses, really. You know, you're able to do all these things. So I'm just always in awe of what you're able to do because it's just... It's just amazing to me how how many things you're able to accomplish and just kind of live this this beautiful, adventurous life. (laughs) That was the whole point of leaving the nine to five, right, was being able to have that freedom and flexibility to be the mom you want to be, to be the person you want to be, to live the life you want to live. And you got to take risks, you know, calculated risks. Don't do anything dumb, but calculated risks. Uh, and that's exactly what we did. We've we've hit 46 states now. So we should hit all of the lower 48 in a month or two. And um, man, it's it, it's been an educational experience. I'm sure we'll touch on that a little bit more later, too. Yes, yes. So let's jump into talking about the the mission that you're on. So we're, we've named this episode Dismantling Systems of Oppression in Your Business. And Meg, when I think about people who are really, you know, white women who are who are at the forefront of talking about racial injustice, about uh, talking about how we can really look into and address patriarchal white supremacist systems in our businesses, I think of you, right? Like you're you're one of the people whose whose faces come up in my in my head. And so you're obviously talking a lot about these things. You're being very boisterous about what you stand for, what your businesses stand for. I want to know what what made you like what was the shift and walk us through how you decided, okay, I'm going to do this thing that a lot of people, especially a lot of white people are uncomfortable with talking about race, right? And and issues of race. What made this shift for you? And you know, like most things, it wasn't one thing. It was a culmination of things. So I think to address specifically what made me be more vocal in my business, I can pretty easily go back to George Floyd. I mean, the most um, disturbing, graphic, uh, like indisputable you watched, sorry to, to stutter, but I mean, it's it's just emotional, right? Like we watched something just terrible happen before our eyes. Um, going back to my upbringing, my childhood, my earlier beliefs, I was sheltered, you know? Um, I believed that racial issues were no longer racial issues. After all, Martin Luther King, end of story, you know, so I had this this whitewashed, sheltered upbringing. And as stories, right, like out of Ferguson and, and Mike Brown, and I mean, th- the names go on forever, right? Sandra Bland. But as these stories came out, I began to realize that there might be something more that I didn't quite understand, that I didn't quite, um, that I wasn't quite putting the pieces together. I am a mother to a black child, um, a biracial child who is very visibly, um, she is not white passing, like she is a black child. Um, And I began to see through her 
instances of racism at the time, right? I wasn't positive, you know, because I still was kind of that sheltered, privileged, protected. Um, but then I had a white child. So now I've, I am a mother of a black child and a white child. And the, the differences in treatment became much more obvious, much more evident. Um, and again, fast forward to 2020, really, um, when I feel like the Black Lives Matter movement regained a lot of momentum after witnessing what we did with George Floyd, I began to realize that part of the problem, a big part of the problem, is that we weren't talking about this. You know, we're not talking about it. And it's easy for, for me, for a white woman, to not talk about it because it doesn't affect me. Now, for me, it does kind of affect me because I'm raising a black child, but you understand like that, that context of um, it's easy for white people to join, you know, link arms with their black friends when there is a movement happening. But then when the movement dies down, we can just kind of forget about it and move on with our life because it's not affecting us in the day to day. Well, I realized that by not talking about it, it's contributing to the problem. It's making it worse. And I don't want that. You know, I am on a, a mission to to just make make the world better as much as I can. Like, I may not be able to change the world. I'm not trying to be Gandhi or anything like that. But make the world a better place for my kids than it was for me. And if I'm silent and I'm not advocating, whether it's for Black rights or trans rights or immigrant rights or just human rights, then I'm doing a disjustice to my children and the rest of the world. Um, I know I just kind of rambled, so I hope I answered the question. <laughs> uh, but that all no, kind of led into... I think back on, you know, obviously, growing up in the South, Black woman, I've always been acutely aware of racism and racial issues and racism directed towards my actual brown self, you know. And I remember I, I was in undergrad and I studied English. Uh, primarily what they want you to study are dead white men, right? And every once in a while we get some contemporary authors. And we were reading this book uh, called Freedom by Jonathan Franzen. And I'll never forget on the back of the book, it said something like the best post-racial novel in Obama's era. And I was just like, what in the world is post-racial? <laughs> like, what what does that even what does that even mean? Like we're past racism. And it just was so that it 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 occurred to me that there were people out there in the at that point it was 2009, 2010, um, who thought that racism wasn't a thing anymore because we had a black president. <laughs> And right. so, and it wasn't. It, I, I think, by and large, what people who mean good, right? What they, what they, that that understanding, that thought process, it isn't malicious. It isn't that they're trying to necessarily say we're going to sweep this thing under the rug. It's just that they simply do not have the awareness of what's happening outside of themselves. And so, I think that is really a common issue. It's a you know, it's a common state of being, right? Like. It's not, you know, inherent like a lot of, um, 
I know people, people of color, people like me, like I have when I have these conversations with people who look like me, you know, it's like, yeah, I've always known that this thing exists, you know, like, what do you mean? So yeah, I, I just and, want you to see that I get it. You know, I hear you on that. And that leads into a big reason why I feel like it's important and helpful to tell my stories. I have, especially from my childhood, I have a lot of white friends. I have a lot of white friends who don't have black children and don't necessarily understand that what black people are currently facing. And so if I can share my stories about what is happening like to me and my child, I'm hoping that that helps at least marginally open up somebody else's eyes a little bit so that they can be receptive to other information that may open their eyes completely to the the scale of the problem we're still facing. Yeah, yeah. So tell me then about the steps that you took in your business to try to address these issues of diversity, equity, and inclusion. And part two to that question, what would be some things that you would suggest to to people who want to do this work in their business? They see that there's an issue. They see that there's opportunity to make things better. What would you say to them? So I think the first, the most important thing is to realize that you can't do it all and that's okay. And you're not going to be able to do it all today on day one. Map out some ideas. Think about some ways that you can be impactful. Find the easiest one, the easiest one, and do it. Once you're comfortable and you're ready to take on another another task, another step towards diversity, towards inclusion, towards equity, then take the other step. You know, it's that whole, we, we talk about this all the time as business owners, like don't compare your, your day one to somebody else's day 100, right? Don't think that you have to do all the things I'm doing because I started before you. So, so take, so baby steps is that first piece. And I think the other beautiful part is that we all are going to have a different definition of what's comfortable and what's easy for us. So, there may be people who can make um, financial donations to nonprofits on a regular basis and they keep track of tax write-offs and that's beneficial for them. There's other people listening who their heart wants more than anything to be able to do that. But putting, you know, paying rent and putting food on the table does unfortunately, you know, trump paying nonprofits or donating to nonprofits. So for those people, there are other things. And and we, I don't want anybody to get caught up in the judgment or the guilt about not doing enough or doing the wrong thing. Because if everybody does what they can do, there's going to be progress. Everybody, you know, people will fill in the gaps. So a couple little pieces there. Now, for me, one of the easiest ways I was able to really get started was by auditing where I was spending my money already right? Like, who do you pay monthly? Who do you pay annually? Who are you doing business with? Take a look at those businesses. Take a look at those people and figure out what do they stand for? Where do they donate money? All right. There are businesses out there who make charitable contributions that may or may not align with your personal values. So I took a look at all of those things. I I reached out to the platforms I was using to schedule my phone calls, to host my web pages, to send my emails. 
And I look to see, do they have a, a DEI statement, a diversity, equity, and inclusion statement? If so, what does it say? What are they doing? Um, can I follow up on that? Can I prove they're actually taking action? Um, if they're silent, will they respond to me via email? If they don't, silence is compliance. I assume they are against me if they cannot say they are with me, right? And so I did that audit. Yep. I found some businesses that I was really glad to be working with. And I found some businesses I was really disappointed in. And when I found those disappointing businesses, I went and looked at their competitors and did the same thing. Now, again, this can be step by step. You don't have to do all, you know, 12 software programs you use in a day. Um, but like one of the first ones I switched over was my calendar scheduling. I switched over to Calendly. I didn't even know that was a black owned business. A Black-owned tech mm -hmm. company. So, and, and if you want to like dive into it, I don't have all the stats on, my, on top of my head, but the, the founder speaks on topics of DEI, is very you know, involved and, um, and uh, philanthropic you know, in that area. So it was, it was a no-brainer to switch over there. So I, that was step one. Now the money I'm already spending on stuff I need, in a way, it may not be a huge way, but in a small way, is still helping my causes because I know that when I invest that money into Calendly, as opposed to their competitor, where I don't know where that money goes, I know when I invest in Calendly, I'm investing in a Black-owned business, I'm investing in a business who gives back, and I'm investing aligned with my values. So that was number one, where I didn't end up spending more money, but the money I was spending, I just felt better about where it was going. Um, I also have put up, I have like questions to enter my Facebook group, questions to speak on my podcast or speak at my events. And they, they vet for these issues too. Um, one of the things I've come to realize and embrace and, and share with other people is that the true measure of an inclusive business does not mean that everybody is, is welcomed and invited. Everyone thinks inclusive means that everybody is welcomed. And that's not true. Because you have to exclude the people who are harmful to your community, right? Like you have to exclude people who are harmful. And so the point of these questions is to figure out who are the harmful people. And now most of the people, like you mentioned, I don't think they're intentionally malicious. I think they're misguided. I think they're misinformed. Um, and there may be other reasons, right? Other reasons why they are harmful. But what I've done is think about my group and think about who is my most marginalized in quotes, because I know that's a word that we could substitute out with other words, but my, my most marginal, marginalized um, member. And it doesn't have to be a real person, right? But think about my ideal client avatar, my ideal customer avatar. And the most marginalized person I could welcome into my group would be a person of color who is... Uh, gender nonconforming, you know, maybe that person is, is transgender or non-binary, but they're gender nonconforming. Um, and they have a, a, a family that isn't traditional. It's not mom, dad, and, and two little kids. You know, it's a, it's a blended family. And if somebody comes into the community and they're not able to accept any of those qualities, then they're harmful to my community. Because they're going to make that member 
feel uncomfortable because of who they are. And that's not okay. And so I've set up those, uh, those gates, right? Like to keep, to keep people out who shouldn't be in, who may jeopardize the, the safety and the comfort um, of my other members. And those were the first two biggest things that I did. And quickly, uh, it just started to, the right people were joining, the right, the wrong people weren't even requesting. And um, that's when you start to make those ripple, ripples of impact. Can I take about 45 seconds of your time to tell you about something super awesome, something that might make your business run that much more smoothly? Well, let me tell you about it. It's the Copyhouse subscription. The Copyhouse subscription is the one-stop, flat-rate, custom copywriting and content marketing subscription for business owners who run their businesses online. And let me tell you how simple it is. All you have to do is subscribe to our product and you get custom on-demand copy when you need it. So things like emails, things like blogs, white papers, social media content, yes, social content, we're writing that for you custom. And you can rest assured that you are getting what you want, 100% yours, you own the copyright, never plagiarized, never using a template. We're giving you what you want in the content that's Sounds just like you. So if you want to check us out, just go to www.thecopyhouse.com. Again, that's the T H E copy house H A U S.com. That is so good, Meg, because because here's the thing one, our dollars are so powerful, and wherever we can financially divest from these harmful, unjust, un- inequitable systems, organizations, companies, where where the ways that we can do that, that is so powerful to do so. So auditing what you're using in your business, such a great point. You know, I specifically, I have been using Calendly since the start. I've had so many people try to get me to move over to other other platforms. And I'm like, no, I will never leave Calendly. Leave me alone. First of all, I love how it works. (laughs) So it's usually works for me most of the time. It's probably one of my most reliable uh, tech pieces of tech in my tech stack. And I really love what the company stands for. So I think we don't make, we don't ask enough questions about wh- where we're spending our dollars and who we are actually giving our money to. So I think that that is super important. And then the other part that you said about your community, I think is so important because a lot of people, and this is about, this is about inclusion and accessibility, right? When we create communities, and we say, as part of my business structure, I'm going to facilitate an environment, a container, a community where people will gather and we will have shared common interests, the thing that you're that you're using as your as your group. We have shared common interests that unify us, and we're going to be moving towards specific goals together as a collective. What we forget, and so many people on the online space they promote is that it's not about the health of the community it's about how many individual leads how many how many dollars can you get out of each person in your pipeline from this community which i think does a disservice ultimately to to the people that you're supporting within the container because if you're not making sure at a base fundamental level that the structure that you've put in place the people that you're allowing in if you're not making sure that that's safe for the most marginalized group and you're not providing them with, let, let's say, 
clarity from yourself, right, on what they can expect and how you will help make sure to the best of your ability that significant harm won't be done here if you do make the social exchange of joining. I just, I feel like it's just a, such a big disservice to the people you're ultimately trying to support, right? So that was a lot of words to say, girl, I hear you. <laughs> so, <laughs> so thank you for that, Meg. So do you worry about putting people off in your business, about repelling people? Do you worry about making statements? Are you worried about being on this podcast episode right now? Oh, not about you. No, no, no. So originally, in the early days, I totally was, right? I was raised, as I think a lot of us were, that you don't talk politics. Nobody should know who you voted for. Like, these are all things that we should keep quiet. And again, I think a lot of that leads to a lot of the problems that we're seeing right now, because we also kept quiet on issues of racism, because people like to think that that's political, um, where it's... I just refuse to accept this idea that racism is a political issue. It's a human issue. There should not be any politics yep. about it, right? Um, but but I digress. Yep. So in the in the early days, I definitely was worried about turning people off. Um, and funny kind of story. My first website, my first branding was all pink, and the feedback I got initially was, "You're going to turn off men. Men won't want to do business with you." And at the time, I, right, I, I know, you made a face. Now I make that same face, right? But at the time, I was like, oh, you're right. Like, I don't want to turn off 50% of the population. And so I had a more gender-neutral branding, if you will, as if colors have genders to begin with, but whatever. Again, I digress. Um, fast forward, you know, call it maturity, call it waking up, whatever, Um I am not worried about turning away the wrong people. If I turn away men, bye. I mean, I don't need men in my business for my business to thrive. That, now, let's just say I've got 100% of women. I am not, you know, I will tell you who I voted for. I will tell you why I voted for them. Because I think those those discussions are important. Like, this, this year is, was, is a really bad example because I feel like there was no discussion necessary. Um, but in some cases, like you actually get to candidates or even if you're looking at like the primaries where you have a bunch of candidates from the same party, I think having those discussions is really important because you, you learn from each other and you'll see different perspectives and maybe you'll change your perspective or maybe you won't. And that's fine. But just having those, having those discussions. And so... I am not afraid to turn off 50% of females along with 100% of the males. That leaves me 25% of females who are somewhat aligned to me. Guess what? If, if people told you that everybody was going to like you, you've been lied to. There are people that aren't going to like mm -hmm. me, and that's fine. Because there are other people who will. So I would rather turn off the people who aren't aligned with me anyhow it just has changed over the past year. It has changed everything about how I feel, how I show up. Um, you just, if you surround yourself with people who have toxic thoughts, and I don't, I'm just saying toxic, like they, they oppose yours, right? It's draining. Yeah. 
you feel depressed, you feel frustrated, you feel negative, that negativity, it just soaks into you. Um, But when you surround yourself with like-minded good humans, and you may disagree on some things, like there may be some areas that, that we don't see eye to eye. And that's fine because this isn't about um, not being able to tolerate people who think differently. It's about not being able to tolerate people who hate, people who are racist, people who are, are I hate transphobic or I hate that word because I feel like it implies that there's something to be scared of, like arachnophobia, you're scared of, of spiders, transphobia. Right. No, it's not a phobia. It's a hatred. Um, there's just not a good word for it, but this it's it's human issues. It's being a good human. It has nothing to do with politics, um, and it has, well, it shouldn't have anything to do with politics, but unfortunately, there seems to be a political divide when it comes to basic human rights. Um, so right. long, long story short, no, I don't care because I know I'm going to get the right people. And in the past year... Um, I have just found myself working with the exact perfect people that I want to be working with. And that wouldn't have happened had I not stepped into this place, Have I had I not amplified my voice in the way that I had. Yeah, you know, and, and the thing for me is that, like, I don't want to work with everybody, <laughs> You know, like there there is a very specific type of person, a type of business that I I want to support because here's the thing, right? I'm I'm in a business to business space, you know, so are you. And when I do work for someone, it is it is growing their business, it is supporting their business, it is getting more people into their ecosystem. And I for me, ethically and morally, if I if I feel like you are uh, funding and supporting the the uh, subjugation of of other people, of people who maybe look like me, maybe people who are don't look like me, but are um, are are different in some kind of way. I, I don't want to be part of that. I don't want to. I don't want to lend my brilliance and brain power to supporting uh, these these nefarious tactics. These people who aren't necessarily going to be a good human, right? Like, which that's my, that's my thing. Like, just, let's just be good human beings to one another. Can we do that, please? Um, you know, so I hear you on that, Meg. So. It's a very similar, (laughs) you know, perspective to what we talked about before about choosing where to spend your money, right? Choosing where to spend your money. And you and I are both in that marketing space and marketing is such a powerful, powerful tool because you are amplifying the messaging and of the people you're working with. Um, I'll never forget when I was still living in Phoenix, having um, a political client come up to me and say, "Do you will you run political ads?" And I said, "Well, that depends. Like, what do you st- like? I need to know what you stand for because I can't run. I can't market for somebody I wouldn't." vote for but then I also realized we were aligned let me just say we were aligned and yes she did win and at that point it was like wow I did I did that no of course I'm not saying that she didn't you know (laughs) she won for her but like I played a role 
in a non-Russia hacky way of influencing the elections. Like, how cool is that? And it made me realize how, how powerful we are as entrepreneurs. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. Yeah, because I like to think about, you know, I work a lot with with coaches and consultants, people who are working, you know, sometimes in a one to many sphere, but a lot of the times they're one to one or one to like a smaller group. And I just think about I just got helped to bring some people in who are going to have this super transformative, amazing experience that will help them in their life or business or health or, you know, whatever the domain is. So I feel you on that. I feel you on that. So let's let's move on to this then. What's next for your business, both services wise and also in your pursuit of more a more equitable world? Man, that is such a loaded question because I always have like 20 projects on the back burner, right? So I am currently working on um, expanding the one-on-one services that I offer to people so that I can do more for less people, if that makes sense. So prior, I could work with, you know, five to 10 clients, and I was focused on one specific little wedge of their marketing puzzle. And I'm working on expanding the size of that wedge so that I can work with fewer people but have a bigger impact. Um, And at the same time, building out a a membership program, you know, where you can have that one-to-many experience offering educational opportunities to many people and influencing them and, and encouraging them to build profitable businesses, to be the parents they want to be, to be the business owners they want to be, um, and keeping DEI values and topics infused in that. So it, it's impacting or it's um, increasing that impact. As far as like my personal journey with, with DEI, I'm trying really hard to read more books, to attend more conferences um, in a respectful way that have more um, a, a diverse range of speakers. I am taking a look when, when people ask me to speak in their events, taking a look at who has spoken in those events before. Um, are they reaching out to a variety of, of diverse people? And you can't always see diversity. So, I mean, that's another piece of the puzzle, right? And I'm, I'm on that journey, too. When I think of diversity, I initially think black and white, black people, white people, you know, or, or shades of brown or, or, you know, what you can see, right? But there's more diversity than that. You know, there's gender diversity, which is not always visible. There is, you know, your sexual orientation. There is religion. There's uh, yeah. culture. There's... Uh, I don't even know what the word is like. Are you a, a citizen or here on a visa, like nat- like immigrant status? Um, there, there's so so many yeah. those abilities, uh, you know, like ableism is something that I'm trying to work more on because yeah. I, it's a it's a a weak place for me. Um, so just constantly trying to consume more information um, and build in more more elements into my business. I'm doing a website rebrand right now. So by the time this launches, the rebrand will be live. Um, And I, my DEI statement, that whole page, I've added like a resources area to it. So like, if you want to know who I'm following on TikTok, you can go and I've listed a couple TikTok people who I'm following who, who discuss these issues. Um, 
And so it, it, not only is it here's what I'm doing, here's why it matters, but really trying to to give other people the uh, the resources they need to to do better um, for themselves and to improve themselves. I love that. I love that so much. So you have something for us. Can you tell us about your gift to the listeners? I have two gifts. I decided to, to over over deliver. Um, I've got two gifts. So oh, one it. website, two gifts. <laughs> the website is going to be megbrunson.com slash MMM, right? For the podcast. So megbrunson.com slash MMM. And what you're going to get are, there's two trainings in there. The first training is my DEI statement training. Um, I, I'm real clear in there that I am not an expert in this, that I am navigating the way myself, you know, I'm, I'm figuring things out as I go. I still stumble. I still make mistakes, but none of those things should hold you back from, from taking a stand, from putting your, putting your values out there. And so I've got a a training. It will compare my old statement to my new statement, give you a whole bunch of tips and tricks for writing your own DEI statement. And if you don't have one, it's a great place to just start. Just start. Get something there. You can always update it later. Um, I also have a little disclaimer on that page that lets people know it is a work in progress because we all are constantly learning. So I've got that training on there. And the second training is more marketing. Um, Related, where I introduced the EIEIO marketing framework. That's also the name of my marketing business is EIEIO marketing. So you can learn what that framework stands for. It's an, uh, oh my gosh, I almost said an algorithm and that's not the right word. What is the word I'm looking for, Mia? Where each letter stands for something. I'm totally blinking. Uh, oh gosh, not an al- anagram. Uh, an is, acronym. No, is it an anagram? An acronym. An there acronym. we go. <laughs> yep. Oh, gotta love that. Oh, it took both of me under a couple of minutes to figure that out. And my husband, he just popped in to tell me the answer. (laughs) There we go. (laughs) Well, hey, that works. An acronym. So anyhow, it's an acronym for what you should be doing on social media. So if you want to be on social media without being spammy, prospect for clients, all that good stuff, E-I-E-I-O is the acronym you need to follow. You can figure out what that means by heading over to megbrunson.com slash MMM. Love it. So besides megbrunson.com, where else can the people find you and connect with you? And I would love for the people to connect with me on Facebook. Um, That's probably other than megbrunson.com. That's where all the links are, though. So if you want to connect with me on Facebook, uh, (laughs) LinkedIn, any of the sites, you know, any of the social media sites, you can also check out the Familypreneur podcast wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can search for Familypreneur and you will find that podcast in that system as well. Awesome. All right. This is the last question and it's a fun one. So what's one thing that's keeping you pumped up and moving forward these days? It's, it's the travels. It's definitely the travels, right? So we have two more states to yeah. hit. Um, before we hit all 48 lower states, I, I know there's 50, but we're not driving to Hawaii and we, we, I don't know if we can go to Canada yet. Um, so those two, you know, to get to Alaska. Um, but for me, it's, you know, we are living this, this wild dream that I had and I just, it, 
every day is a new adventure. Um, it that will also be a book someday, right? Like running from wildfires, yep. dodging mountain lions. Um, like these are all things we've actually done. And <laughs> so every day is a new adventure. It is a ton of fun. And I'm so grateful for my my clients, my network, you know, that still includes me in, in the process, even though we sometimes have internet issues or or time zone issues or whatever the case may be. So it's definitely my family, the travels, making those memories, trying to live our best life and and building that world that I want my kids to inherit. I love it so much. I love it so much. And so, yeah, Meg, thank you so much for being here, for having this conversation. I really enjoyed this conversation and just being able to have open, honest conversation and and talk about these really important things just means so much to me. And I know the listeners will get a lot from this talk as well. So thank you again. Thank you. And thanks for putting this podcast out there. I think it's going to help get more people talking. Thank you for listening to the Money Marketing Admission Show. If you liked this show, please do me a favor and head on over to iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts and leave a five-star review. It really helps our show get found and into the ears of the right listeners. And it would mean the world to me to know that you got value from the discussion here. So, uh, and if you want to get in touch with us, we're at The Copy House. Remember, that's H-A-U-S on all the social media channels, Facebook, Instagram, and and LinkedIn, and you can learn more about The Copy House and how we do copy differently by visiting www.thecopyhouse.com. And remember, that's house, H-A-U-S. Catch you later.